Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. It is so good to be back. Like, feels like I've been away for so long. For those of you that don't know, we had COVID the past couple of weeks, and it was torture. It felt like actual torture being away from you, especially last week on Easter. But so glad to be back home. So glad to be healthy again. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who took care of us. Like you all delivered meals and you got groceries for us. And I'm just so grateful. I'm sure Aaron is so grateful because I was out (laughs) for a lot of it. Thank you so much to everyone who took care of us and for the team who so expertly took care of you all in our absence. Easter was amazing last week, right? So good. Well, I was in particularly disappointed to not be here last week because I was really looking forward to this series. Open Heaven is just one of those concepts that came to me from God and I just immediately got excited. Um, It's one I have been looking forward to because, and really where it started for me. So I heard a, a preacher lately say something, he said something about prophecy that I just couldn't shake. And he said that people just don't understand how different things are since Jesus, right? How much Jesus actually changed everything and including prophecy. His point was actually that people often want to be that Old Testament type of prophet, like God's going to rain down fire from heaven and and they're threatening punishment on everyone who doesn't believe. Um, But Jesus took the punishment. He, He took the destruction and the pain and the shame on himself. And so we're not offering destruction anymore the world. We're offering good news. It is good news. We're offering salvation from that destruction, and that should really be the focus of our message. There's a lot of YouTube prophets out there, and I'm not saying it's all bad. In fact, there's probably a lot of good stuff out there, but a lot of it just feels like manipulation and fear. It's not good news at all. We are to go into all the world and preach the good news. Jesus changed everything when he came and he tasked us with proclaiming that good news. Not the bad news, the good news. Yes, he's going to come back someday. And yes, there will, you know, Revelation, the book of Revelation tells us about some crazy persecution and some things that are going to happen. But today is not that day. Today it's our job to spread the good news. We have a job to do. And that is putting an open sign on heaven again. That's what Jesus did. So what does that mean? What does open heaven mean? Well, we're going to start at the very beginning. The presence of God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. I mean, back to the very beginning, okay? The presence of God was with Adam and Eve. They were holy. They were, they were one with God. They knew nothing of evil. And they had this open heaven relationship with God. They knew only goodness, but they wanted more, right? They wanted also the knowledge of evil. They wanted to be more like God. They thought God was hiding something from them. Satan said, did God really say? God really say every tree isn't good? Did he really say? Or is he holding something back from you? And so they, they wanted the knowledge of evil as well, which seems crazy and it's really easy to condemn them, but we were all teenagers once, right? 
We all knew what we should do, but we wanted the knowledge. You know what I mean? It's that rebellion is in each and every one of us. We know a little of that. We don't know what we don't know, and we want to know it. It's that rebellion in us. And so when we took the knowledge as humanity, Adam and Eve took the knowledge of evil as well, we couldn't live in complete communion with God anymore. We were cast out of his presence because we were no longer whole, perfect, selfless. His perfection, God's perfection, is actually an active perfection. We often think of that as like um, a passive thing. But his perfection is actually active, meaning it makes everything perfect that it falls on. And therefore it casts out things that are not perfect anymore. And so for our own protection, we were cast out of the garden. Humanity had to move on. It had to go. God had to remove his very presence. He wanted to hold nothing back, but he had to, to keep them safe. And so we can't exist where he is unless we are also good. We got cast out. Over time, then God began to call us back into right relationship with him. He created a system of doing so. And the Old Testament is basically a story of that process. God giving us back his presence, who he is, giving us a system of doing that. We see Moses encounter the presence of God at the burning bush. And then up on the mountain, we see the Ark of the Covenant. We see him building the temple and all the policies and procedures and systems that go into that. And here is the presence of God inside a physical temple years and years later. The actual presence of God. And the Old Testament is just this story of God pouring out his presence again on his people. And so we're in the temple now. We're fast-forwarding through time. I'm giving you this broad strokes overview, right? The temple had a place within it called the Holy of Holies. It was one room that, that was the very presence of God. And it was separated from everything else. I actually have a picture Let me put up the picture of the temple. Just to give you an idea, there are more uh, on the sermon notes if you want to go and look for more. So the Holy of Holies was covered by this curtain, this veil. This uh, Honestly, veils makes it sound to, to us, like modern day, we think of like a wedding veil, right? Something you can see through. It's like mesh. It's very thin. Yeah? This was not that. <laughs> this veil was actually 65 feet tall. How tall is this room? 18 feet, so significantly taller than this room. Can you imagine? Huge, huge, huge curtain, 65 feet tall, 10 feet wide, 10 centimeters thick. This thing was basically a wall, okay? And it had these beautiful uh, symbols on it, and it was very intricate. I mean, all of the instructions for making this thing are also in the word. It was in-depth, but behind this veil, this curtain, was the holy of holies, the very presence of God. And only one guy, one time a year, could go in. After he had gone through all of the ritual and the sanctification process, and he went through all of the steps to be holy, and it was intense, one guy, one time of year, could go in to the holy of holies. They would even tie a rope to his feet, one of his feet, in case he didn't do all of his stuff correctly, and he died inside the Holy of Holies so that they wouldn't, and nobody else would have to go in and die or like wait until the next time to get him out. They would pull him out if he wasn't holy enough and he died in God's presence. 
can see how heaven feels closed at this point, right? Reserved for a small amount of people, the, the special few. Again, it seems crazy. Some of us want it to be this way. We still want it to feel this way a little bit. Like, like it lets us off the hook somehow, you know, if, if just some people are special. Just some people can receive words from God. I get comments sometimes of like somebody, actually this, literally, this conversation literally happened once. Somebody says, so how do you hear from God for your messages? Like break that down for me. What's the process? And somebody else in the conversation said, oh, I don't want to hear this. I was like, what? <laughs> Why not? He said, I don't know. I just like, I want it to be like special or something. He didn't want to hear the process at all. I think that lets us off the hook a little bit. There isn't some magical process. It's, it's the Holy Spirit for sure. Supernatural. There's a supernatural element to it. But it's also just seeking God, <laughs> allowing him to speak, giving space and time for that to happen, pouring the Holy Spirit, the, the word into you, and then letting him speak. It, it's not magic. There's a process to it. God is good and he's faithful and he delivers. I think some of us want it to feel a little reserved for only other people. It lets us off the hook a little bit. The Holy Spirit didn't rest on just anyone back then. It was reserved for a special few. He, he came and he went. It was for a certain few people throughout the word. We see it, for example, on Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. The Holy Spirit rests on all of them as they are leading the people of Israel. We see it throughout the word on, on a number of different people. David, for sure. The Holy Spirit was anointed. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit when he was anointed king, right? Saul before that. It was uh, to leaders, to those that had a special anointing, but not to just anyone. Selfishness and evil and sin got in the way of us being able to have a personal relationship with our creator. And if you weren't willing to live that rigorous lifestyle of an Israelite, you just, you never had access to it. Now fast forward again to Jesus. Right? Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven down. He makes it accessible to everyone again. He lived a perfectly sinless life, even though he was fully human and fully God. He, he showed us that it's possible to live selflessly, to walk through life selflessly. It is possible that it's possible to be in complete communication with God the Father. Now, for us, it's significantly harder. We've been born into sin, right? And, and we have his sacrifice. But in fact, at his baptism, notice what it says. Matthew 3, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. The heavens were open. When he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. Now, throughout Jesus' ministry, he healed people, restoring them physically. He took God out of the temple and to the people on the hillsides. He was preaching out with the people. He went to the parties and hung out with sinners. He took the kingdom of heaven with him wherever he went, restoring them spiritually. He looked people in the eyes, says those actual words throughout the gospel multiple times. He looked people in the eyes. He listened 
He asked them questions, restoring them mentally. He spoke to their innermost thoughts and desires, restoring them emotionally. He was trying to restore us. Not everybody received it, but those that did were restored with their creator. God, he brought restoration with heaven. He said, the kingdom of God is here now. It's already among you because he was already among them. He brought the kingdom of heaven with him. And that's what he was offering to the people. Not just miracles, but restoration, wholeness with God again, like in the garden, a chance to live that kingdom life, right? To be in right relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And and he put an open sign on the gates of heaven. Jesus died and something incredible happened. Have you all still been focusing on Easter, really staying in that mindset? I've been, we've been with the Bible plans that we're doing, and I hope you're joining us on the app. You can join us in a Bible plan. We've still been focusing on Easter because I just can't quite, maybe it's just that I missed it, (laughs) but I just can't quite move away from it yet. But Jesus died an awful, torturous, terrible death, but he did something miraculous in doing so. And we're going to read Matthew 27, verse 45, the crucifixion. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought that he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. So Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Did you know that was in there? It surprises me every time I read it. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Did you hear it? The curtain, the veil in the temple was torn into the thing that separated the holy of holies, the very presence of God, from regular people, normal people, God's people. It was torn into top to bottom. Now again, 65 feet tall. 10 feet wide, 10 centimeters thick. This doesn't happen naturally, right? It just doesn't happen. It had existed for hundreds of years. It never split in two, okay? Jesus died and it split. He tore in half the thing that separated us from the very presence of God. Now you would think after something that earth-shattering happens. You would think that the temple would be somewhat closed, right? Like closed for business. We have to figure this out. You would think this would have opened some eyes, and maybe it did open some eyes. But the disciples, we see this in the book of Acts and onward, the disciples continued to worship in the temple. The temple didn't close after the Holy of Holies was opened. And it hit me as I was reading this a while ago, They stitched it back up. They repaired what Jesus specifically meant to be broken. A wall between God the Father and us. They stitched it back up. 
first time I realized that, it broke my heart. I, I think I actually cried a little bit and, and just wept before God like, how could they, God? Can you imagine what, how much work that was, first of all? <laughs> to repair something that enormous, that large. I, I, it probably took, I actually read this, a scholar thinks it took at least 300 priests a couple of weeks to repair it. But they stitched it back up. The temple was in full operation after that. And were they just pretending? Was the, the Holy of Holies even holy anymore? Like, what was happening there? They stitched the thing back up. They, they didn't want what God was offering. And it breaks my heart. Even though they said they were looking for the Messiah, they didn't actually want things to change. Not Jesus' way. They wanted Jesus to be the God they wanted, their king. Their, they, they wanted their physical kingdom restored, Israel restored. They didn't want to be anyone's slave anymore, and who can blame them? But that's not why Jesus came. He came not just to restore one generation in one place and time, but all generations for all time. And they rejected it. They stitched it back up. And as I was blown away, saying, God, how could they? How could they? I get to experience the presence of God. I have all my life. I just just can't imagine living without it and and wanting to go back through, jumping through all those hoops. and, And I just, God, how could they? The Holy Spirit whispered, you do it too. You stitch it back up too. I was like, God, no, no. I mean, I would never. But you made the very presence of God available to me. I I would never. God said, every time you put those barriers back up, every time you put status on something religious, every time you get attached to things that aren't me, every time you choose immediate comfort over long-term peace, Every time you try to find your love and acceptance through anything but Jesus. Every time you give yourself to everyone and anyone trying to find your identity. Every time you chase unconditional love in all the wrong places or put a certain leader or preacher up on a pedestal above me or you you think you can give your way out of conviction. Every time you excuse your behavior. You're putting those walls back up. You're stitching up the veil just like they did. It's repairing the veil. Stitch. I stitch. I put those barriers back up when Jesus worked so hard to tear them down. Even good things can be stitches in the veil, by the way. Right? You can't be a Christian without supporting We heard a lot of this in very political seasons, right? You can't be a Christian without, or you can't be a Christian if you, anything, fill in the blank there. You can't be a Christian without abstaining from. You can't be a Christian without Jesus. It's the only answer there. Anytime we add more to it, and and it's, it's even good things. Anytime you add, you know, volunteering at church in that blank, or church attendance, or being a good person, or giving that $1 to charity when they ask for it at the grocery store. 
When we come to God, this is a Thomas Wilcox quote. When we come to God, we must bring nothing but Christ with us. Any ingredients or any previous qualifications of our own will poison and corrupt faith. Whenever I'm tempted to put anything else in those blanks, I try to turn my mind to that thief on the cross. Did you all read this throughout the Easter story? Jesus hanging there on the cross, and there is a criminal hanging beside him, watching Jesus die, dying himself. He got his legs broken to hasten his suffocation. His body was more than likely dumped naked in a mass grave. Anything we put in those blanks should disqualify that thief on the cross from heaven. Anything we put in those blanks should disqualify him. But there is no one in all of Scripture that has a more direct and unambiguous promise of being resurrected to live with Christ in heaven than the criminal who did nothing but believe. And Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise today. He just believed. I was talking to a man basically on his deathbed lately. He was worried about dying because he still had doubts. I still have questions, so many questions, he said. And I've messed up lately, and I, I've done things I haven't been proud of, and I just still have all these doubts and questions. What, what if Jesus doesn't accept me? And I quoted Romans ten thirteen. Anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't add to that. Don't subtract from that. Right? It, it, the only thing you can make sure of is that you're calling on the right name of the Lord. Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. The calling has to be genuine. The passage goes on to, to make some of those clarifications. Right? True faith changes you for sure. But don't add to it. A true faith, your belief has to be real, of course. It can't just be words. It has to be real. Real faith changes things. It changes your behavior. It causes you to want to be obedient. I'm not trying to discount obedience here. Be obedient out of the right heart. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It really can be that simple. But real faith changes our behavior. Second Corinthians 3. Verse 12 says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. And they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. It was no easy task back then to put that veil together, to stitch it up, to repair it. And it's no easy task today to add religion back in. Jesus' way is easy. It's like, why do we keep making it so complicated? 
stop repairing the veil. Look, maybe you wandered in today to make someone else happy. Like maybe you came because Easter was all right, and so maybe it'll be all right today too. Maybe you happen to be watching online right now, but you think God would just rain down fire or, or lightning would strike if you darken the doors of the church. I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't separate anymore. He doesn't put qualifications on the clean and the unclean. Jesus changed everything. Heaven is now open to you. And the only qualification is have you called on the name of Jesus? God doesn't condemn. He doesn't punish quite like he used to. He doesn't prophesy death and destruction. He offers salvation from it. He wants you free. He wants you peaceful. He wants you joyful and whole. And don't get me wrong, when you're disobedient, bad things do happen. When we're outside his will, we're outside of the covering of Jesus, of course bad things are going to happen. The enemy is pretty good at beating us up when we're outside of the protection of God the Father. Jesus took on your punishment, though. He took on your pain. He took on your, your shame and your selfishness and your mistakes. He took the punishment. The veil is torn. No amount of stitching it back up can separate you from the love of your Father. He offers it freely. Just accept it. That's all we have to do. Just accept what he has already freely given. Just be forgiven. That's how easy Jesus made it. He came to give us life and life abundantly. He wants everyone to experience that communion with God the Father, to be whole in his sight, to live the life that we were created to live. Now, believer, let me, let me speak to you for a second. I have come into the presence of God in a worship service just like today in this very room and still counted myself out. I said, God, I know, I know how good you are. I know, you know, you are real, you are good, but the love me so much part I'm struggling with today because I know I've messed up, done things I know that I shouldn't do, and I don't do things I know that I should do, and I don't deserve to be standing here in your presence. I don't deserve any of this. And God said, but I love you. But I love love you. His love covers all the things that I think should make me unqualified. It covers all those things so that all I have to experience is the love of God. And that love makes me want to change. It makes me want to be a better person. It makes me want to become more like him. It is the difference between godly conviction, Holy Spirit conviction, and guilt. Guilt makes you want to run far away from his presence. It makes you want to hide your face in shame. The conviction of the Holy Spirit pulls you closer. It shows you that God is actually smiling on you. That when he looks at you, all he sees is Jesus. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He doesn't see all of the things that you're thinking of. I did this last night and I did this last week and I, I'm still feeling guilty about what I said here, what I did there. God sees Jesus and he calls you out. Calls you out of the selfishness 
so beautifully because his love covers it. I will never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. Jesus said not one is good. Not one will measure up to the goodness of God. But Jesus took the punishment. When we can acknowledge that we are never going to be good enough, but Jesus already made us good. There are two parts to the gospel. Jesus took the punishment and gave you his righteousness. All in one shot. Now when God looks at you, he just sees Jesus. God paid the price. Jesus paid the price for your shame. We just have to stop repairing the veil. Stop putting up those barriers between us and God. Jesus put in the work to tear them down. He put in the work for you. Just accept it. That's it. Boldly walk into the throne room of grace, as Hebrews 4 puts it. God's not angry with you, believer. If you've given your life to Jesus, he's not angry with you. He just loves you. And if you haven't, he's calling you to him. Hebrews 4, verse 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The veil tearing was his grace. And we don't deserve God. We don't deserve relationship with him. We don't deserve freedom. But he gave it. It's a gift. We get access to the kingdom of heaven. Heaven has an open sign to us. The God of heaven and earth, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, the Alpha and Omega, El Shaddai, the beginning and the end, Jehovah Shammah, the provider, the deliverer, the comforter, the healer, the great I am. He wants to be known by you. Is that not miraculous? He wants to know you. You. Me. In all my mistakes and imperfections and selfishness, he wants to know me. He smiles over you. Do you know that? In his presence, he's smiling over you. Just close your eyes and picture it. Close your eyes and feel his presence. He is with you. He's close to you. It is nothing short of miraculous. That Jesus would not only take on our punishment, that he would also give us his righteousness. The only one willing to do it. The only one qualified to do it. He left the presence of his Father. A perfect heavenly home. So that you could have the presence of the Father. So that you could have the promises of the Father. James 4, 8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He will come near to you. 
It's a promise from God. Isaiah 54 says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. He will reveal his will to you. It doesn't have to be a mystery. I hear Christians sometimes say, I just don't know the will of God. You can. You can. He wants to reveal it to you. As a promise from him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He will answer your call. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He will help you be productive to make a difference in this world. These are the promises to God for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. He makes promises to you through Jesus. It is an open heaven. We get to experience the blessings of God when we are in Christ Jesus. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. It's amazing. His presence brings restoration. It brings miracles. It brings joy and and peace and comfort. These are his promises to you. And they are yes and amen. I have printed the 40 IMs and put them at the serve desk. They're also in the sermon notes today. Let me just read a couple of these to you. Romans 8.16 says, I am a child of God. Psalms 107.2 says, I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Colossians 1.13 says, I am forgiven. Ephesians 2.8 says, I am saved by grace through faith. Romans 5 says, I am justified. 1 Corinthians 1 says, I am sanctified. 2 Corinthians 5 says, I am a new creature. 2 Peter 1 says, I am a partaker of his divine nature. Galatians 3 says, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. These are all promises to you. This is who you are in Jesus. You get to walk in his kingdom. Even here on this earth, you get to feel supernatural peace, even in the middle of the storm, not in the absence of it. You get to experience joy, unspeakable even when you don't deserve it. That's what open heaven means. Jesus gave that to you as a gift. His promises are yes and amen. Father, I pray today that we would be able to receive it, that we'd have our eyes open to the beauty and the majesty of this world that you've created. It is not safe, it is not tame, but it is good. You've put us here for good, to bring you glory. God, help us do that. Help us communicate Jesus to the world. Help us pass on the good news that God is is a restoring God, that he is the provider, the comforter, the healer, the beginning and the end, that he wants nothing more than to see us restored to right relationship with him, walking in the supernatural, seeing miracles happen wherever we go and speaking encouragement and comfort to the people that we encounter. God, help us communicate that heaven is open 
It's our job to start living like it, to communicate the good news to the people around us, to walk in that hope and freedom, to stop repairing the veil. That is my prayer for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.